I'm in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 49. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. I want to share three things with you, um, and they're going to kind of break down according to the verses here. Uh, And first, we're going to focus on the first few verses there, 49 through 53. And and I'd say this, I want you to understand this morning, guys, that because of the cross, the only way to peace, uh, because the cross is the only way to peace with God, because the cross is the only way to peace with God, it will always challenge people and cause division. Okay, let me say that one more time. Because the cross is the only way to peace with God, it will always challenge people and cause division, right? So this is a tough section of Scripture uh, for us to stomach, and it's tough because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, right? Jesus, the Prince of Peace, here openly declares that he hasn't come to bring peace, but rather he has come to cause division. And, and, that, and that just doesn't sit right with us. It just doesn't sound right. It, it doesn't seem to jive with the Jesus that we know, right? Because, I mean, Luke 19.10, he says that the, 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 this, you know, uh, the Son of Man has come to seek and save those that are lost. And you go, yeah, that's the Jesus I know. He's that, that loving seeker of the lost. And we, we read Romans 5.10, and it says that Jesus came to reconcile us to God. It literally means that he came to, to return us to a point of favor in God's eyes. It means to make peace. It, it, you, you find that in Ephesians chapter 2, that, that he has come to, to make peace between the two, right? To, to, uh, to get away, of, 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 to, to uh, destroy the, the wall of separation. 1 John 4.10 says that he is, is our atoning sacrifice. It, it literally means uh, propitiation, that he is our wrath-absorbing substitute. And we read those verses and we go, yeah, that's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus that makes sense to me. And so when we come across these verses, verses like these, where where, where this Jesus, this this peacemaker says, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword, it seems to not not make sense. It seems seems to contradict itself. How 
does this Jesus, whose mission is uh, to bring peace between us and God, how is his mission also to cause division? Let's talk about that, okay? Now listen, Jesus indeed came uh, to live a perfect life and to die a brutal death on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He absolutely did that. And he did that so that we could have peace with God, right? And, and in our text, by the way, look at verse, verse 50. In our text, by the way, that is what he is looking forward to, right? He, he's looking forward to the cross. And I know that sounds crazy, but he says, but I, I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it's completed. He, he's looking forward. His sight is set on the cross. That's the baptism. And, and, and it has him distressed, if, if you've ever wondered how hard it is for God to forgive you, then look to verses like this, right? Because the cross wasn't easy and the cross wasn't cheap. Like God himself, God in the flesh is distressed over the baptism of, of the cross, right? And, and here Jesus is longing to complete this task, this baptism, so that we can have peace with God. So the question is, why is he, why is he overwhelmed? I want you to get this. Just think through this. Ready? I believe wholeheartedly Jesus is overwhelmed because he is the only answer. Just say that again. Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only one qualified to make this sacrifice. He is the only one qualified to drink this cup. Jesus is the only unique individual that is fully God and fully man. He is the only individual that has lived a sinless life. He is the only one that can carry the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders. Just Jesus. He is the only one. That's why it says John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. So because this is the case, because Jesus is the only way, because Jesus is the only propitiation, because he is, uh, it is only through this baptism of, of the cross and, and the shedding of his blood by which we can be saved, by which we can be re- redeemed, because the gate is, is so small, right? And, and Jesus is the gate, by the way, because, because that is the only way, then The cross, this singular event, inherently will cause problems for people and create divisions. It will. Because it is the only way by which men can be saved. And these divisions, like it or not, hear me, these divisions are indeed the very will of God. They are. Jesus came to divide the repentant, the humble, from the unrepentant and the prideful. It is part of his calling in life to come to call the repentant to repentance, back to God to reconcile them and to separate them from the unrepentant. You see, the cross is the ultimate challenge to pride and self-sufficiency. For not only does Jesus bear it and provide the only way for salvation, he also instructs all who believe and follow him to carry it. It's Luke 9.23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and, and follow. And you see, it is this message, my friends, this message here, 
that still challenges every follower of Christ today. It is this message here that still causes divisions amongst folks today, even even folks within the church today, because it is this call that, that separates and divides those with ignited hearts that are aflame for Jesus from those that have grown lukewarm in their love and their service to God. And so here's the truth, ready? We're all called to be peacemakers, every one of us. We're all called to be ministers of of reconciliation, proclaiming to the world that through Christ and through Christ alone, God is reconciling sinners unto himself. That is the mission. But as we go about this task faithfully, we need to know that this message is not always going to be well received. It, it, It... won't be well received by the self-sufficient sinner that thinks that he is good enough for God because ultimately it calls him to denounce his pride and to confess his need for God. His inability to be good enough for God. And it also won't be received well by those within the church that have grown lukewarm in their love and service for God. And it won't be received well by them because your active proclamation of Jesus, your active service as a minister of reconciliation, will only further point out their problem. That they, whether intentionally or not, at some point have laid down their cross. even though God's not done with them yet. See, the cross is crucial. Because the cross is the only way to forgiveness, because the cross and the one who bore it is unique and is the only gate, because the gate is so narrow the cross itself will be the thing that causes divisions with unrepentant and even within the church with those whose affections for Jesus have grown cold. This will be the dividing factor. Because the cross is the only way to peace with God, it will always challenge people and cause division. Okay, that's the first thing I want you to see in our text. That's 49... uh, through 53.2. Uh, I want you to see this morning that when we focus on the superficial, it's easy to miss what God is doing in our midst, right? When we focus on the superficial, it is easy to miss what God is, is doing in our midst. And so, so Jesus makes this like, bold statement about the fact that the, the judgment is coming, uh, this baptism, this cross that he has to do. And then it says, uh, then he looks at the crowd and he says, you see a cloud rising in the west. Now, he's still talking about coming judgment. He's still talking about the fact that, that he is here, that the kingdom of God is in their midst. Like, like he's having this conversation with them, right? And, 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 and basically what Jesus says, he's critical of the crowd, but he says, you guys are really great at interpreting the unimportant, Right? You guys are awesome at that. You are so good at the unimportant, right? When, when it's going to rain, you guys can figure that out. Or, or when it's going to be hot and the wind's shifting out, out of the east, you guys got that locked down, right? right? I mean, you, you notice these little shifts in the wind. You know what's happening with the, with the weather. Yet, yet get this. Here I am, 
Like, I'm right here in front of you. I'm proclaiming the good news to the poor. I, 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 I'm proclaiming freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. You've seen that happen in, in, in your presence, right? I, I, I'm literally setting the oppressed free, and yet you don't know who I am. That's Isaiah 61, by the way. That happened in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus walks into the synagogue in Nazareth and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, Today this has happened in your presence. And, and so, so Jesus, what he's saying to the crowd is, is like, listen, you, you've got all... This unimportant, trivial stuff nailed down. But you don't see the most important thing, the work of God that's happening right in front of you. See, Jesus is condemning them because, as one commentator says, they can interpret the winds of the earth, but they cannot see the winds of God. They are completely oblivious to what God is doing in their midst, but they are experts at the unimportant. Experts at the trivial. And here, here's my fear. My friend, this is why I share it with you this morning, okay? Uh, I fear the same can often be said of us. I fear that often we are experts in the trivial and the unimportant. We have a game called Trivial Pursuit, for crying out loud. And people boast of their knowledge in it. Gonna get me some pie. Give me that pink piece of pie. Here's my fear, right? Uh, so, this came up our Bible study Wednesday night. Um, I'm teaching people how to study the Bible. It's not just a Bible study. Teaching them how to study the Bible using the first, uh, the book of First John, as a, as a means to do that. You guys should come. It's good. Uh, uh, and it, our, our lesson this week, um, John says, "Do not love the world or anything in the world." For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's, that's harsh, right? That's a little difficult. So we kind of had to interpret that statement and say, well, what does that mean? Well, it cannot mean that we can't love one another, that we can't love people, right? I mean, I, I love my wife. I love my children. I love you guys. So it can't, it can't be people because, uh, because Jesus has commanded us to love people. That's the second greatest commandment in all of Scripture. So, so it can't be that. But then John kind of explains what he's talking about. He says, because he says, the world is all about these things, right? He says it's all about lust, it's all about um, longing, and it's all about lying, right? Lust of the flesh, that's the cravings of our sinful de- desires. Longing of the eyes, that means that we want what we don't have. And, and, and then lying, it's boasting about what we have or what we've done. And, and, and the problem um, with all of those things, with the things, the ways that the world operates, ready, are, are that all of those things vie for our attention and our affection, and we only have a limited amount of time, okay? So, 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 and I want you to see this. Those things that, that John mentions that, that are active today, I, I, I truly believe, are addictive in nature, okay? H- how many of you, back before the election, the news started going crazy, you got sucked in? Come on, be honest. You got sucked in. Come on. Two of you got sucked in, the rest of you not. I, 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 guys, I'm friends with you on Facebook. I've seen it, okay? Like, you better confess it to Jesus now. This whole place might burn down. And, and here's the deal. I, I lie to you not. That fear-based reporting that happened, it releases a drug inside of your brain called dopamine. It's that flight or fight thing. And, 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 and what has happened, even the news has now become addictive. Now I seek it out. It's like I don't even know why, but I've got to turn it back on so I can, I can get afraid again. I go, oh my gosh, I turn that off. And then later I'll come back to it. It's my fix. And friends, we are fixed upon everything but the cross. We are fixed 
upon trivial, unimportant things that vie for our time and our attention and our affection, and they are everywhere, and it is from the enemy, and it is on purpose. He may not be able to ruin your marriage and to get you to pursue another spouse, but by golly, he will get you so consumed with things that are unimportant that you forget about the importance of the cross. And that's, that, that's my fear. My fear is that we've become so good at interpreting the wind and the weather that we have forgotten the kingdom of God that is at stake. And at some point, the church has to wake up and say, what are we doing? Like, wh- wh- where have we gone? So John ends his discourse back in First John by saying all that stuff, by the way, it's going to pass away. And the point that he's making is that because of that, we need to focus on loving God and living for him. And it is the same thing here in our text. In this world, there are a number of trivial pursuits that you can be an expert in. I need you to hear me clearly. Ready? Every single one of those trivial pursuits will pass away. Every single one. But being a part of the work of God, the work of God that is going on right here in her midst, whether you see it or not, being a part of the work of God that is going on right here, right now in our midst, that is eternal. That'll last forever. There's a guy named Henry Blackaby a long time ago. You guys maybe did experiencing God. And uh, I love, there's, there's a truth that he pointed out. He said, guys, don't be a miss. God is always at work. Our God is an active working God. God is always at work. He says our job is to see where he is at work and to join him. I wonder... If God revealed to you today a place where he was working, do you have enough free time to join him? Do you have enough time to pursue him, right? Those trivial pursuits, friends, they're killing us. Killing us one second at a time. When we focus on the superficial, it's easy to miss what God's doing in our midst. Last thing I'll share with you i got to wrap things up. Uh, what do you see this morning? Because time is short and God is just. Because time is short and God is just, we should make every effort to settle our account with Jesus now. It's a really strange little subtext added here at the end, verse 57 through 59. And, and it just comes right there off of 58. And he says, why don't you judge for yourselves what's right? Uh, as you're going... Um, with your uh, adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison, and I tell you, you won't get out until you pay every penny. And it's easy um, to go, okay, yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah, we should settle our accounts with people and not go to court. Unfortunately, that's, you know, that may be good advice for the world, but that's actually not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about judgment. How did, the, how did it all begin? Do you remember back in verse 49? I have come to bring fire on the earth. That's judgment. He immediately follows up the fact that judgment is coming by talking about division. I've come to cause division. Also about judgment. You may remember this from the book of Matthew, right? When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He's going to sit on His glorious throne and all the nations are going to be gathered before Him and He's going to get this. Separate. It's going to cause division 
Okay, people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. It's all about judgment. So this too falls under the umbrella of judgment, right? That judgment is coming. And so what Jesus is saying is because judgment is coming, you need to settle your account now, right? Do not wait until it's too late. Don't, don't wait until you're standing before the judge and go, oh my gosh, wait a second, I, I've got to, it's going to be too late. He says, you need to settle your account now. You need to get your life right now. So then the question for us is, well, how do I do that? How do I settle my account with Jesus now? Okay, And so I'm, I'm going to share this with you. And I'm, it is, it's gonna, what I'm going to propose to you is going to sound crazy. It's going to sound crazy because grace doesn't make sense. This, this, is, this is like, I mean, if, you know, if this was financially speaking or in the world, like the bank of Jesus would go out of business. You know what I'm saying? This, this is not going to make any sense to you, but this is exactly how you settle your account with God. Are you ready? This is what it is. To settle your account with Jesus, you need to give Jesus not just all of your sin. We've preached that for far too long in the church. I just give Jesus my sin. No, my friend. If all you do is give Jesus your sin, you've stopped short. I'm going to say that to you again. Some of you here, that's the gospel you bought into and you're wondering what's wrong with your life. What's wrong with your life is that you, you only got half of the message. We are not called to just give Jesus our sin. We also have to give him ourself. That's the gospel. So I give Jesus my sin and my self. I give him all of it. Like, Jesus, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And he's glorious. He's going to forgive us of all of our sin. But we also have to give him our very lives. Okay? He gave up his life. We have to give up ours. And so it's an exchange of, of self. So that, that's our end. We give up our sin and our self. Now, here's his end. Ready? He takes on our sin and gives up himself. So what we have to do is we have to receive, we have to receive his sacrifice for our sake. We give him our sin and ourself, and then we receive his sacrifice for our sake, and we take on his cause. Don't leave out the last part of that. And we take on his cause. That's... That's the call, friends. That's how we settle accounts. And it's crazy, right? Because it seems we're giving Jesus, you know, it's not a fair exchange. <laughs> we're giving Jesus our jalopy, right? And he's given us eternal glory. It's not a fair exchange, but that is, that, is, that is the gospel. The gospel is an exchange. And if anybody ever preached it to you in some way that did not involve a complete exchange, I, I'm, I'm sorry somebody misrepresented the truth of God's word. It is an exchange. You have to give Jesus your sin and yourself, and you have to receive from him, right, his sacrifice and his cause. That's the call. Okay. So what do we do? And give some application. Um, and, and the first one, uh, I, I love you, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on anybody or any group of people here. Um, I, I think this can happen with all age groups, okay? So I'm going to use an example of a woman that's in her 80s, but I'm not trying to pick on my older folks, okay? So just hear me clearly. First point of application, pick up your cross again. 
the ladies that were at the IF gathering, they got to hear um, from Jill Briscoe. It's in her 80s. Her husband's a pastor. And uh, she has served and served and served and poured and poured and poured. Anybody that's done ministry for a long period of time, right? It's, it's tough. It is the most thankless job you're ever going to do here on earth, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, thankless. Uh, Ed was over building grounds for like five years. And, and the number of thanks you got, and, and we're a pretty thankful church, but still. Uh, there were times I'd come see Ed and he's covered in stuff. And I'm like, I don't even want to know what you're covered in. Because I know the building. I know the things that lie beneath. It's a little scary. And most people have no idea what goes on, right? Ministry, it can be very difficult. Okay, so she had been active in ministry. And she, to be honest, she had reached a point that she said this. I've done it all. I'm tired. And I'm done. I'm done. Some of you right now, as I say that very phrase, I'm done, that resonates in your spirit right now because that is what you have said to the Lord. And she said, you know what? The Lord grabbed a hold of me and spoke to my heart and said, Jill, whose cross is that over there leaning against the wall? And her response was, Lord, it's mine. It's mine. Gently, lovingly, right? Who told you to lay it down? Till the end, Jill. You've got to carry it till the end. Friends, I love you. I say this with um, everything I can. We can't be the body of Christ if you lay down your cross. I know that you are tired. I know that you are weary. And I know that you are hurting. And I understand that. But you need to understand that that is part of the call. Carrying our cross isn't easy. But there is no excuse for laying it down. I say that to you in love. I try to say that to you with sensitivity. I say that to you, friends, as somebody that has been under ridiculous amounts of spiritual attack. As somebody that that has felt the weight and the burden of all of your issues, of all of the attacks on you, I, I say that to you as somebody whom the devil has said to me on multiple occasions consistently lately, just walk away and I will leave them alone. And I say that to you as somebody that hurts because you're hurting and feels responsible for the trials you are facing in your life. But I say that to you as somebody that says, I, I cannot lay down this cross and neither can you and it is worth it. And, and I'm with you. Our family's being attacked. We're, we're, we're issues with kids, issues with health, you name it. But the cause of Christ, the eternal kingdom of God, is infinitely worth more than anything I have to endure by carrying my cross. All the way home, friends. All the way home. So I encourage you, I implore you, I love you. Please, for the sake of the kingdom, pick up your cross again. There will come a day you get to lay it down. There will come a day, and it'll be glorious. Amen? But praise God, that day hasn't happened yet. Two. I encourage you and ask you to crucify 
all the things that are trying to crowd out God in your life. To crucify all the things that are trying to crowd out God in your life. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists all the things of the world. He says all the sinful things of the world are obvious. That's because God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. There are no 50 shades darker in God. Just throwing that out there. I love you. God's light in him. There's no darkness at all. Paul says that the acts of the world of sinful nature, they're obvious. And then he says, but the the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says this. He says, against such thing there is no law. And here's the next verse. It's verse 24 of Galatians chapter 5. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. He says they have, they have taken all of those things that vie for their attention and their affection, all of those things of the world that are obvious, they have taken all of those things, and here's why their lives are different. They've taken them and they have crucified them on the cross. The cross that they carry has, has all of those false pursuits, all of those trivial pursuits nailed to it. They've chosen what is better. Friends, that's what we have to do. We've got to figure out all the unimportant stuff that has grabbed our attention and our affection and our heart, and we need to crucify it. We've got to nail it to the cross. We've got to be done with it. It's time for it to die so that we can truly live. Okay? Last thing I'll share with you... Uh, kind of important. I think today's the day to get right. How much more time do you have left to make an impact for the kingdom of God? You got a month? Six? Ten years? What if it's ten more seconds? Right? The end is going to come, and, and we, we can't plot it out. And I know some of you are planners. We don't get to do that. Today is the day to get it right. Here and now, as we hear the word of God, today is the day to get it right. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we love you, and we thank you for being good, being way better than we deserve. Help us uh, get it right today. Jesus, uh, some of us are carrying around some junk. We are not junk, but we're carrying around some junk. And we feel it in our spirit, and it hurts. Some of us have fallen out of love with your bride. We're living for a lot of stuff that you say is going to fade. That means we're spinning our wheels and we're wasting our time. Call us back to yourself lovingly, lovingly. God, some people here today, as they hear my voice, they know that they have laid down their cross. They know it. They can feel it. And, and, and listen, Lord, I, I get it. They can't carry their cross as fast and as furious as they used to. And that is okay, Lord. But it's not okay to lay it down. It's not okay to just stop. While we have breath in our lungs, we are called to bear the cross that you have borne for us. 
And so, God, I want to encourage somebody's spirit today. Today, would somebody in their spirit say, yes, Lord, I will pick up my cross again. Now, now, Lord, hear me. I'm going to be taking baby steps. Awesome. That's fine. Just help us bear the cross today. That's the cost of following. It's denying ourselves. It's, it, it, it's taking up the cross. Now, God, for some of us to do that, there are some things that we need to crucify right here and right now. There are some things that we have pursued, and they are trivial as trivial can be. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's a hobby, right? God, I I, I don't know. But if we're investing in anything other than you and the people that you created in your image, we're wasting our time. So, Lord, give us a passion to get it right here and now. Please, in Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen.